Up From Work podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. All right, welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 143 of the show tonight. This is Dave Swillam, and I'm happy to have you guys back here after the holidays. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas, awesome holiday, whatever the hell you celebrate and are doing really well out there. Had a, a couple of single episodes and now happy to get with some guests again and ask them some questions so you're not just hearing straight up my voice for a whole episode here. If you're new to the show, this is where we get to work, making work a passion, going creative full-time, talking about doing what you want to do instead of what you think you have to do. So tonight, I'd like to welcome on Steve Marr from The Night Routine. He is a Denver soul pop-based artist. I was telling him earlier, I don't have a, a ton of connections from Denver in terms of this show, at least. I haven't had a ton of people on there, but I'm not like Denverist, man. I'm just you know, it just hasn't happened yet. So I'm pumped to uh, to have you on here and, and uh, a lot of good things that I'm seeing from your press kit in terms of things we can focus on and a lot of new releases coming from you into uh, the new year, man. So thanks and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, man, Denver's a, Denver's a cool place. You know, if you're ever in town, hit me up. You know, we can grab a, a beer or lunch or something. You know, happy to show you around. I will. It's on my list. I know that it's an important place to hit. I haven't gone yeah. out of the way yet. I've gone yeah. past you. Yeah. You know? Do you want to know what the craziest thing as a singer was, was the elevation, mm. you know, and like trying to adjust your voice to a drier, you're like you're 5,000 feet up in the city. Yeah. And then when I'm doing gigs in the mountains and you're in 10,000 feet and you're like, your breath is just, you're, you're, there's less oxygen, right? So you're trying, you're breathing <laughs> as hard. And we opened for a band, an awesome blues band called the honey hounds and they're out of florida right so sea level and he was up at ten thousand feet in frisco colorado and he was he was like i thought i was gonna pass out oh my god (laughs) yeah and i was like you know he hit it well he hit it you know he had the stage presence and everything but you know you gotta you gotta be aware of that when you're i had no idea you know how how there's an impact so anybody who's touring you know if it's your first time through high elevation be aware of that and uh you know acclimate yourself for a couple days and drink a lot of water that's something that I have never in my life, like I've done tours, never your way, but like in my life as a musician on the show, I've never, ever heard or thought about that idea, but that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, man. Anyone playing That's Red crazy. Rock, you know, or like, you know, any of those famous venues uh, in, in elevation, you know, keep, you know, prepare yourself if you're singing, if you're playing, you know, not a big adjustment, you know, you might be a little thirstier, but you know, yeah, definitely have that water ready if you're a singer or a vocalist. Wow. So are you initially, and we'll totally like reverse for people who are listening and you're like, Hey, you usually go through like some more background for me. I will, we'll reverse in a second, but I'm intrigued by this, this yeah. revelation that Steve has hit me with. Now yeah. I have to, now I have to hone in on it. So like, are you initially from Denver? You grew up with that or you came into this and that's why you're saying something like that? No, I'm from outside of Boston. So, uh, no shit. Kind of, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up in Maine here, but I'm from like 40 minutes North of Boston. Well, right now I'm at my parents that's in amazing. Cornish, Maine for the holidays. So you are right now? Yeah, in Cornish, Maine. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Well, 
we'll get into that, but that's pretty awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. My parents, so we grew up outside of Boston and it's a town called uh, Easton, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, normal upbringing, right. We grew up outside of Boston and, um, then they got sick of Boston cause it's, it's, you know, it's that old infrastructure with a growing city. Right. Yep. You know, so it's, it's kind of, a, so they wanted to get out of there and, uh, they moved up to Maine before COVID happened. And, uh, it was p- kind of perfect timing cause everyone had that same idea after COVID, you know? So, um, they yeah. love it. They love it. It's peaceful, you know, forests and, you know, you can't get better, more peaceful and quiet than that. And, you know, we're, as a family, we're always searching for that, right. That, that peace, you know? Oh yeah. That's too funny. Yeah. Like we, I'm doing like a huge barn renovation up here in Maine. This is where I moved to open my business to turn like a, a studio and artist living space and renovate this place up here. But we bought this during COVID times. And when I was in the market, it was 50% of all transactions in the state for real estate were out of staters for that reason. And that's happened obviously across the country in many places. It's just a difference between urban and rural living with remote and all these changes in humanity in this country. But uh, it's funny. Yeah, that was good for them that they got to buy before that time, man. That is oh, a, a absolute gift for them. Lucky, <laughs> Not lucky. Not being I mean, that. Yeah, it, it's already like, you know, I think like the real estate value in general has increased by like three, you know, because yeah, yeah like you said, everyone had the same idea. Like how many New York license plates I've seen, you know, like bought Massachusetts, right? Like everyone, you're like you said, out of state buying up all the, you know, the rural land they can because, you know, yeah, it's that that life balance. What do you want? Do you want to live in a city in a box, you know, or do you want like a little more space, which I love the city right now. You know, like I love Denver. It's that city opportunity, but you can still have access to that nature, right? Like you can still go to the mountains and hike. And yeah, so like, it's a perfect balance of both. I feel for me and like what I want, but you know, like Boston is kind of like, you know, pretty, pretty, it's a lot to take on. I lived in Boston for a while, right? It keeps being Boston for like an hour and a half of suburbs of Boston. (laughs) It feels still like Boston. Yeah. Yeah, dude. You know, you know, so yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's where we're at right now. And, uh, you know, it's been good. It's been good. That is super funny. Yeah. So like the, so, (laughs) all right. So you, you went from, from there and then moved to Denver and that's where you're like, Hey, artists that are moving here, this is something I face as a vocalist for this air thing like that that's like when the dolphins come up and play you know the pats and you're like shitting on them because they've been used to working out in 80 degrees and they come in here and get snowed on or something you start rooting at it that's like that's like an away musician trying to deal with breathing at red rock dude you know you're like holy shit yeah but then you sing like i where i am right now we we're at 800 feet elevation and so like i feel like i can like you know you have that power or like i like to go for runs right yeah. When I first moved to Denver, I tried to run a mile and I thought I got my ass handed to me. And, you know, I was, wow. when I was, you know, I used to be able to do like, you know, six, seven easy. Right. But then at one mile in Denver, like, like knock me, knock out, me out, 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 Damn. you know, and they took, it took time to adjust to it, you know, and there's, there's a bunch of weird things elevation does to your body, you know? And uh, yeah, singing is one of them where you were, where now I feel like I have a more powerful voice because I've had to adjust. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So sorry to, for people who are listeners who usually get the backstory first, but like I had to hit this stuff. So you told me, you told us a little bit, Steve, about like being from new England, which I didn't know before the show. So that's really neat. But do you want to run us through before we get into like kind of what you're up to right now and a bunch of things that we can pick at, like 
you know, where did you come from? Why, why, why soul pop? Why this group? Why this focus? I guess, like, how did this come to be? That's a pretty specific style. And I feel like you, if you're playing that, you're not messing around to be in that style. It's not like a, you know, rock band or rap, which I love both, but are very prevalent. It's like when you're in soul pop, you're in like a blues or funk or any of those things. I think it's very intentional or it's a very specific background that brings you there. Do you want to talk through like Steve Marr night routine? Like where did you come from? How did this happen and become the focus for you? Yeah. Yeah. So to, to give you like a broad background, right. I was born with something called uh, like persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous, which is, which a lot of words to mean I'm blind in my left eye. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so like when I was a kid, I was trying sports, you know, and like, you know, I was trying baseball and football and like, I'm like, it just wasn't, you know, you, you try to hit a bat or a baseball going, you know, however many miles an hour with, uh, with terrible depth perception or trying to catch a ball. Like, it's just like, you know, man, this ain't it, yeah. you know? And um, yeah. so eventually I got it where it was like, you know, dude, sports, sports are not for you. So I tried to do more of um, music and like, you know, more creative things like acting and, um, you know, like in, in yeah, piano and uh, drums and drums was my first love. Um, I, good I started, man. good man. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of people, I started music in the church you know, like by playing drums in my church. But then my family kind of had this weird like transition where we went away from the Catholic church to more like spiritual hippie, you know? And, cool. um, and my parents have like, you know, these like thick, thick Boston accents, which I love. And it comes out, you know, every once in a while in me, but you know, it's like, instead of, uh, you know, the Holy spirit, it's like, you know, your third eye Santa with your chakras, brother, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah, you know that that sort of thing. So like, I went from like church yeah. to like drum circles. You know what I mean? And that um, sounds awesome. Yeah, not lie, yeah, but yeah, not you know. You know I, I work with a lot of Christian rock, so that's cool. But I also like myself am super not attached to that. So it's like I uh, I I I get both. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, Boston with like you know the Catholicism, right? You know, there's a history there where it's you Tight, know. Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you, so they kind of like went away from it, but, um, but yeah, so like, that's kind of how I got into music and like continue that through high school and like really leaned into it into college. And that's where I started my first project with, um, someone named Devin Patton. And she's this phenomenal singer, this phenomenal vocalist. And we had this project called Cuckoo Baby. You know, she sang, I back up, I did backup vocals and, you know, it was like the music side of things, right? Like writing the chord progressions and the melodies and the lyrics too sometimes and dev would also write lyrics. So we like, we'll combine on the lyrics here and there. But so I started that. And then, um, we moved to Chicago after we graduated college and I got our start, you know, in the music scene in Chicago, which is vibrant, you know, like the arts in Chicago is amazing, you know, mm. and, um, there's a, you know, you know, beautiful music scene. That's kind of where like, I really leaned into jazz for the, for, you know, like I was always like learning music. Still drumming at this like, point, Steve. Yeah, more more leaning into piano. So piano is what I do on okay. stage. You know, so drums were taking a background. Piano took the forefront, right? In you Chicago. Know, so, yeah, yeah. Cool, right yeah. on, man. What a good place to hit keys then, huh? Oh, yeah, dude. If you're yeah. in Chicago, go to the Green Mill. There's this, like, it's like stepping into a time machine, you know, the big bands and this, you know, like there's people dancing and, oh, you know. Oh, dude. Yeah. My go heart. Yeah, Please. man. And that Please. was five minutes away from me 
where I lived in Uptown in Chicago. So I was no hitting shit. that place all the time. Yeah, I would too, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I was taking piano lessons, um, with a, with, um, with a jazz teacher. So like, again, you know, kind of leaning into it and, uh, that's kind of where I, you know, found that love of that, which would translate into night routine where we, I lost my job with, um, COVID sure. and, um, you know, COVID like everyone's lives, right. Kind of upended everything. Unreal. And, um, so me and my girlfriend, Diana, we went to, uh, back to Cornish where I am right now again for the holidays, you know, kind of back to my basics where I was playing the piano that I grew up on. And we, me and Diana were trying to figure out our next move. And, um, we were like, well, we know we love the city opportunity, like I said, right. But then we also like love the nature that is, that we're surrounded by. And so Denver was that kind of that logical step for us. We were just like, Hey, let's just roll the dice and see what happens. And, you know, got to Denver and uh, found a great group of guys with um, Tomas Hauser, who's the guitarist, and uh, Matthew Melanie, he's the drums, and Mark Hudson, he's the bass, and then I'm keys and vocals. The reason Night Routine happened was we kind of wanted to create, like you said, interesting music, like, you know, like those dynamic chord progressions, but still accessible with like the pop vocal melodies or, you know, like, you know, melodies that you can sing you know, and uh, they're singing yeah. along to rather, but where the music, the chord progressions are, you know, it's not just like a four chord progression. Like it's, you know, there's changes and, you know, tempo is going up and down. And, you know, that was kind of the inspiration behind that is to, you know, make a project that, you know, is versatile and we can cover a lot of ground, but is also tight, you know? Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, that's kind of what I was looking for when I'm asking that question of like, how did you get into this style? That makes so much sense for like hanging out you're in Chicago you've already started playing music like that you have this club you have to be an appreciate you have to have an appreciation for 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 music as a whole to go hit that club and go get used to that scene and everything like that and then moving from there to a new city and bringing that kind of growth in your life there to create that that makes a lot of sense why you end up there you know it's it's cool to me when I'm when I interview musicians to see why do any of us pick the styles that we're in? And it's cool to see kind of like there's fragments in their upbringing, in their history, in their life that just naturally kind of place them to be that thing where it's like, you couldn't not see that person as playing that style, but it's built out of all of these experiences that like make us who we're supposed to be. Right. Right. No, totally. And, and I, I wouldn't even consider myself like, like jazz trained, you know what I mean? We're like, uh, you know, it's just, I kind of, um, fell into it later, you know, where I was just like, Oh, like this is like a lot of fun. And I love the improvisation aspect of it as well. You know? Yeah. It's just, it was just like a, a new, exciting thing. And then I was seeing people do it, you know, a lot of, a lot of the time at this high caliber level. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, that's inspiring, you know, like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a musician and you, and you don't see that and get inspired, you know, I don't know what will, yeah. But yeah, totally. man. No, totally. Yeah. You see the, you know, you see the pathway, so to speak, you know? Yeah. So for, uh, one thing in your, well, actually, hold on, I'll, I'll say some things that I thought about when you were talking about your story with, you're talking about your vision and you're like, I tried sports and I couldn't. So for those yeah. that don't know about me, I, I have contacts, so I don't have a blind left eye. I can't say that. Like you, you, you've, you've got, I have both working, but I have like these 
custom made contacts and my glasses are like bubbles from trailer park boys. Like <laughs> my, my, my prescriptions, no joke. Like everything's yeah. custom and crazy. Yeah. And if I don't have like any seeing things in, I straight up can see zero. Like I don't like, I wouldn't recognize if someone's in front of me, if my wife is in front of me, if those are out, I will see that there's a human in front of me, but I'm probably not going to know who that person is. Like it just turns into like a lump of peach color you know, in clothing. And so it's bad. And when I was growing up, I got into uh, wrestling because you couldn't wear glasses because they would break and my contacts would fall out. So in wrestling, I wouldn't have any vision, no vision, right? But I would see a singlet, which was always like a bright blue or red or yellow or something. And then I would see like these peach colored waving things in front of the audience. And And my goal was like, if I can get to the mat, like, so we're both down, as fast as possible, then I can literally feel around and I can know what's going on and I can control it. So my, so I got insanely good at like getting people down, like right when the match would start because I had to, I like needed people down so that I could figure that sport out. And I started doing okay, but it was weird, like figuring out a whole sport where like I didn't do football and baseball and all that stuff, even though I could use my contacts, my depth procession also isn't great. And I've also, uh, so I got into that that way. And then when it comes to drumming, I played a show. It was like one of the bigger shows that I've played in front of like a couple thousand people. And I hit my contact out in my left eye, which is my worst eye, with my drumstick. And I'm sitting there trying to play. But like, because it's drums, like you probably feel that way with piano at this point, if you've been playing this long. I know where I have the same setup. I've had the same damn setup for 10 years now. I know where everything's at. So I was good for the whole show. But then loading off, it was like raining out. We had a huge ramp off the stage and I was just tossing shit left and right because I had yeah. no idea where the fuck I was. So yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. some of your pains there, man. Dude, and like, you know? but like you formed a superpower. Like, you like, you know, <laughs> most of those wrestlers are like probably going off their vision, right? But you're using like the, your feel. Like yeah. as someone, you know, I, my parents always said, you know, my other senses were so heightened, right? Like I was so kinesthetic. Like I needed to touch things. I need to feel things. I need to do things. My hearing, right? Like mm. was heightened as a result of it. Like you compensate through your other senses, right. you know, just like you did, right? Where you're feeling your way through the wrestler, not seeing it, which has probably made you a better wrestler in some respects because you weren't basing your entire, you know, threat assessment based on vision, you know, yeah. like you were yeah. doing it through touch and feel. So dude, like relate so hard to that, you know? Yeah, it was a scene, man. I I had to wear my glasses because obviously I knew I was going to take them off and contacts just took me too long to put away. So I'd have these like bubble glasses and I'd look like a total dink, you know, waiting for my match, but I'd come out and I'd be pretty damn, I I did pretty good. I'd come in like third or second for state things. Like I do pretty damn good. And people would just look at me and be like, well, who is this (laughs) little dink with big glasses on? And, and, yeah. I was like, hey, man, I'm not fucking around. I'm here, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> you, know, you did the work. No, and total wrestling's hard, man. The cardio you need, like, res- total respect for that, you know? Like, the next step would be to do it in Colorado, I guess. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, well, that's what, <laughs> you know, it's funny. All the Olympians train here or train out there because of the elevation. Like, you know, when they go down to sea level, like, they're, you know, they're Makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the gymnastics is big out there and, uh, you know, cycling, like cycling's huge out there too. Cause it's, you know, again, it, it just makes your body work harder. Yeah. Yeah. And so sorry to, sorry to break you. So basically COVID happens. You guys are like back in now Maine and you're like, where do I want to be at? Where do I want to do music next? And what makes the most sense off of where I'm at? 
So you pick Denver. And then when you get to Denver, you meet up with these people and, and room up and then you create night routine. And then we'll talk on like some specific topics after, but do you want to just cover like, you know, I saw like today I listened to your live album, which I love when people do live albums, by the way, I think that's so fucking fun to hear the differences between the studio and the live. I think it's two different processes, you know, like the studio album, there's all these creative choices of how, how should this music and this song be portrayed for the way that I stamp this, but a live album, it's like, this is a stamp in a specific point in time where there weren't necessarily choices, but like the grit of like making it happen live. What, what is, uh, what's like the next steps of like what you're up to in terms of this band and like your music career and things like that with, with night routine. And then we'll pick apart like some topics to, to pull from you on like music industry and things like that. Creative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So for night routine, you know, um, our goal is definitely to, to take it as far as we can, you know, you know, sustain the livelihoods of four people, you know, with the band and hopefully more, you know, hopefully we can, you know, if, if other people come on or, you know, we can, we can sustain that well, but you know, I feel like we have all these powers, right? Like Tomas, the guitarist, he's, he audits businesses. Like he's, he has, he's a certified accountant hmm. or, um, Damn. you know, so, so like, and then, yeah. And yeah. And then Matthew, it's a good Melanie person to have on your team, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And then Matthew Melanie, totally right. You know, it's a business. Your bands are a business, you know, and as much as people want to say they're not, they are, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, if it's a, you know, everyone wants it to be just about the music. Of course I want that. But you know, you also, if you want to make it your life, you have to form processes that create revenue, right? The band's going to break up like the band breaks up from like family and living and things like that. When there's no way to sustain themselves off of it, you can't do something for like 30 years if it's just eating you. So it has to not obviously creative fulfillment, all these other things that we talk about, but it's like, if you can find a way to make it so that you're functioning as a business, that's a way that you function creatively. I'm I'm all in on that, dude. I'm all about totally. Totally. And then, you know, Matthew Melanie drummer, he's a, he was a, you know, he is a professional wedding photographer too. So he's got like the, like the social media, you know, the, the videos and like, you know, the media side of it, he's got in check, right? Also huge. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mark, our bassist, he's a graphic designer and he's also like a carpenter. You got everyone. How did you do that? In the auditions, you're like, Hey, what do you do? And they're like, I'm a, a garbage man. You're like, I'm sorry, man. You rip, but like, you're not going to contribute. You yeah. literally got a record label as a band somehow. <laughs> Dude, li- like literally, like if it's not going to happen with these guys, like, I don't know who it will. And like, yeah. we, you know, we, we formed that like band of brothers, you know? And, um, so, That's you know, dope. yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, it, we all have our little, you know, things that we bring to the table outside of the music, which, which I'm a, you know, I love, you know, and outside of being friends with these guys too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we all have our little things outside that can help the project and make it grow. So, you know, like, I feel like with that, you know, yeah, like I said, we're just going to take it as far as we can and, you know, do as many shows. We also, you know, I feel like there's like studio bands and there's like live bands, right? You know, sure. people who can really produce an album and, you know, have it dialed in and find the sound they want. And then there's bands that probably do a live show a lot better than like how their recorded album might sound. Right. So I feel like we're probably the latter, not the former where we love performing. I love performing, you know, like I want to, I want to perform as much as I can, you know, but that's where all the work is. You know, I would, I would, I would do that for free, man. I would perform for free, (laughs) you know, like, absolutely. Yeah. Right. 
the work to me is like the ticket sales and like the merch and like all that other stuff that you have to get ready behind the scenes to make a show go well and, and to hopefully draw some, some uh, fans, right. And then create some revenue to keep the project going. Right. You know? So yeah, man, that's, that's kind of what we want to do and where we hope to head. Cool, man. Yeah. I love that. Like, so I, it was funny. Like I was just talking to like for my band where we're doing music videos next year. And like a lot of ours have been like DIY, but uh, they haven't been, good. Like I haven't had that, you know, wedding photographer person as part of my band. So they've been okay. But this year, like we're, we're putting a, a big investment in, I'm taking things a lot more seriously. So I was talking to like a videographer that does music videos. That's like the music videos. Like they are, they are very, very high end without being like a stupid high end one, you know? Right. And when we were talking about it, he was just talking about like, when people work with me, you know, at this point, when you're investing this much in a music video, everyone that's working with me, this band is a business of some sort. So he's like, like through our conversation just to get to know each other. But it's like, it's funny to, uh, to like get to know that where it's like, yeah, when you're, when you're investing in things to like, like you're doing this podcast on a bunch of, you know, podcast tour, a bunch of podcasts, you have that high end photography or, 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 or looking at things like as a business, it is a, a different level of functioning and a different, it makes you make different choices too. And like a million times over when I interview music guests, I always tell like all you listeners out there, there is obviously a, a total difference in choice of like things that I just do to fill my cup and things that I do to fill my table. And they can be both or they can be separate. And like, I totally get that. I do things that like make me zero money all the time. Uh, and you know, but it's, it's good for like sustaining that where you, you have that drive having all the people in the band have those talents and, and, and the want for that, I feel like just makes it easier because it's like a short incentive, right? It's like a sly incentive where it's like, you know, you can do this because you love live sound or you love performing or all these things. But like at the end of the day, when you do that, then you also love that. And you also get like a check at the end of the night. It seems really like businessy and blunt to say that. But it's like, that does help when you leave that night, you think differently about what happened when you get a check. Like it just changes things, not to like belittle anything out there, but like it feels different when you do that. And it makes, tends to make people stick around longer, even if they subliminally aren't thinking that way at all, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. And um, Aretha Franklin was notorious for being like, pay me or I'm not going on stage, <laughs> right? Like, like I think, like, I feel like her fee was like, and then, you know, this is the seventies. So like $75,000 is a lot back then. Or I think that was her fee. And, um, you know, before she, she wanted it cash in a bag, you know, like, you know, before she went on. <laughs> and like, I feel like, yeah. you know, as musicians, especially with money, like we get swindled constantly. Yes. You know what I mean? So like, you gotta be about it. Otherwise someone's going to pull the rug over your head, you know? Yep. Yep. And so like, we just have tried to like really get those processes. And, and again, with Tomas with his, you know, he, he audited businesses, not just, you know, a band, you know what I mean? Like he knows like how to keep where money was, should be and where it's supposed to be. Right. Awesome. And, how to, and how to form processes that generate revenue, you know, and um, it, musicians, it's hard because, you know, oftentimes for you to create money, you have to be there. Right. And a lot of business right, processes, right. yeah, dude. And like in a lot of business processes, you know, they're, they're, they're created. So you don't have to be there. So an example for like music, right. It would be like a merch website, 
you know, where like you could still be making money and you don't even have to be there. Like maybe a fan buys a show and of course, are they going to buy way more stuff at a live show? Cause it's that, you know, yeah, it's that energy, you know, the night, like all of that. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But at least you're still getting that extra revenue of like, you know, someone is a fan. They remember you, they went to a show, you know, they, they have that opportunity to buy stuff without you having to be there, you know? And so it's like thinking like that and like, how can, how can you create those processes? Yeah. That, like I said, you know, generate money and keep the project moving. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. That's really cool. So for, uh, there's a bunch of different spots I want to jump off of here, especially knowing some of your background. But one thing that I wanted to cover, cause I know that I'll forget about it when I jump more into like some of these bigger picture topics i liked in your bio where it's talking about your style of music and i felt this when i listened to your lyrics uh when i'm listening through the live albums too it says like a a soul pop band that doesn't take itself too seriously what does that mean to you because i vibe with that hard myself like all lyrics that you'll ever hear from my band are always like they're a blunt story and it's like might be trying to help address a serious topic where I feel that there are other people akin to it, but it's always like, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to be like magical about the way I phrase the words and stuff. I'm trying to be like, this is a thing that happened. I think it happens to you too. And like, this is a thing. And I've, and that's how I am is like, I don't take myself too seriously in anything, man. I'm very serious and not serious at all in everything that I do. And it's a weird line to walk. But when I heard that verbiage is like, I feel that, from that. And I feel that from the lyrics. Do you want to explain like, what does that mean to you and the band or anything like that? I'm not sure yeah. if you wrote that or not, but yeah, no. Yeah, of course. And, um, there's a saying in my family, like, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Right. Hmm. So when like things happen to you, you know, like you, you, you kind of like, like terrible things, right. You know, if you've gone through trauma, like you kind of have to look at like the funny things about it to like get through it. And even if you're discussing a serious topic, through music, you know, I still like to bring like a little bit of like let levity, you know, like some a lightness, uh, you know, like this, this being like, Hey, you know, it happened. It, it might've sucked. It might be a serious thing, but you know, I, I also think at the end of the day, I'm a pot, like I try to be a positive person, glass half full, you know? And, yeah, yeah. and I, we try to put that into our music where there's like so many, like, especially now like depressing you know headlines and the state of the world like and you can only control yourself like you you know you can only control your actions and what you do yep, and how yes. you in your how you respond to things you know and so yep. i try to laugh right you know I, I try not to i try you know i'm not saying that like don't cry you know but like i try to laugh more because if i don't i'll be crying constantly you know yeah and, um, exactly you know, and so, like I said, like you try not, you know, a lot of people when they're like, you know, like they're like my art, you know, and they're like, you know, like this is like my, my serious thing. And like, I do take it seriously. Totally. Like, you know, I do. I do put my heart and soul into this. But at the same time, I'm not like, you know, like, you know, like it's, it's my, you know, it's everything and it has to be perfect. And, you know, it's like it's part of the fun is the mistakes, you know, and, and like, you know, the, the past that you come across when you're working with people that you wouldn't have come to if you were just working by yourself. And so that's kind of where right. I, where we come from with that, you know, is yeah, man, just try to laugh a little bit more, you know, and uh, hopefully things go well. Yeah. I love that attitude. That's definitely how I roll. And sometimes, sometimes people get like mad at me 
for it because I'll be like so calm or so chill when something really bad happens and they get like, they like get freaked out or like bugged that like, I'm not also reacting. And it's like, for that very reason, like sometimes it does make me really upset or it like really pisses me off or something like that. But like, and, and totally like people who listen to the show or know me, like know that there are certain things that I'll go off on, you know? So it's not like that doesn't happen or I don't feel those emotions, but it's like, just like you're saying, like, I, I truly believe that where it's like, when I wake up every day, the only thing I have a hundred percent control on is me and my life. And I have, and I believe that, like, I believe my decisions and the things that happen to me are all under my control, you know, other things, other than things that the world puts into place, you know, and, uh, past that, it's just like, you can only take so much of all of the abundance of like communication and inputs and things that are happening before your head blows up and you just can't, you shut down because you can't take in all of that stuff without focusing on you, what you're up to. And then like, what's your, what's happening first. It's like, that's the humor for me is like, there's always like a, can you believe that that even happened? Can you even believe that this is what's going on right now? Because it's absolutely incredible how shitty this is. It's just like, it's funny, right. man. It, it is. I, I just think it's funny. It's just like ridiculous. Yeah. stuff happens. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, you know, there's things that get me angry too. I call it like turning the adult on, you know, where it's like, <laughs> you know, like, you I like know, like I try to be a kid, you know, and like, you know, like not a kid, but like, you know, keep that inner child alive. Yeah. Right? With music, with, with, with my nieces and nephews, like, you know, like with, you know, I try to, you know, indulge that inner child because that's how you heal any, you know, your traumas, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, you have to yeah. do, like, really indulge that. But at the same time, if there's some serious stuff going on, turn the adult on, you know what I mean? Like where if like, you know, something, you know, car accident or, you know, like something drastic happens where it's like, okay, like, you know, I am in full adult mode, like full seriousness, you know, like I, you know, or like something, you know, something horrible happens in front of me. I'm going to speak up on it. You know, I'm not going to be just a chill guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Happy, well, that sucks. You know, yeah, like, like, you're like, I've got some shit to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you know, you got to pick those battles for sure. Yeah. You know, but it's finding that balance of when to turn the adult on, you know, and when to take that stuff seriously. Or if a serious situation comes along, you know, like putting your, you know, the big boy pants and, you know, take ta- tackling it head on. Right, you know? right. When those situations are happening, I'm not like, I'm not staying chill, like emotionally. And like that's one thing, but like, I'm not sitting there being like, well, that sucks. And I'm I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fucking, I got some shit to handle right now, <laughs> yeah. but I'm just not like maybe yeah. like being up or down in it. I'm just like, I've got shit to do. I'm just, I'm, I've got stuff going on. I'm figuring this out. Right. You know? I don't totally. have anything to say about it. Cause I've got stuff to do, you know? So. Right. Right. That's funny, you know? man. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Turning the adult on. You got to turn you know, it on. Like, dude. You know, you look at, uh, so many artists like that are literally like, I, I don't know, dude, I, I went and saw the Rolling Stones like two years ago live and it was just like ridiculous, but you watch them. They're not only grown ass men, but like, unfortunately, literally like passing away men. You know what I mean? Like they are as old, but like when they're on stage, they're kids, man. And it's because like, there is just like, you have to live life. You know, you have to be alive and being an adult doesn't mean that you don't get to be a kid anymore. It just means that when you need to turn the adult on, like you're saying that you're able to do that, you know, and recognize right. when is play and when is work. And and that I'm really happy you brought that whole conversation out because that's really what I feel in those words of not taking something too seriously is, is when to play and when to work 
as long as you know that, then you really should be doing both those things the right way at those times. Right. You know? And when you yeah. found your passion, I feel like you, your work is play like mm. with music. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I dude. I feel like I'm like, you know, what's funner than being a kid? Like when you're just banging on drums, you know what I mean? Like, like when you're an adult indulging that, like you, you, you are like, I'm working, but I'm also like having the, a blast, you know what I mean? And I hope that that reflects on stage, but you know, yeah, you try to indulge that and keep that child alive because that's, that's what gives you the most joy. You know what I mean? Like is doing the things when you were a kid, where you were like, yes, you yeah. know, and like it yeah. continues into adulthood. And if you let that part die, I feel like that's where a lot of people, you know, run into trouble where if the, you know, any, you know, you got to keep that alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's awesome, man. Like the premise of the show is called waking up from work. It's not, I always say all the time, it's not that I don't believe in hard work because I'll do, I've been doing seven days a week of stuff during this project for Reno and working 12 hours a day or whatever. It's that I believe that you should work in things that mean something to you and light you up. And so that's the premise of the show. And uh, what's cool about watching kids, man, is like they do the same things. Like, like when we grow up, we're still kids, man. You watch people throw temper tantrums. You watch adults, like they know it's the wrong thing and they choose to do it. They see if anyone's watching. It's just like, we all like, no, no one's never not a kid again. It's just, but like you watch them also naturally select like how we became in music, right? Like when I was in the third grade, my parents put me into like a school in each room there, there's a trial for an instrument to see what you want to be in like the school band or something. And I chose drumsticks, but it's like when you're a kid, you just like, you're like, I do the things that feel good and I stop doing the things that I don't like. And that's what I just do. And there's no other thought. And like yeah. people, when they grow up, there's a lot of other shit that comes into our life that gets more complicated than that. And I understand that. But like if people could try to keep that idea, I think that there's a lot of people that would crawl out of stuff that they just absolutely fucking hate because they'd be like, I do the thing that I like to do. Stop doing the thing that I don't like to do. And like all these complications that came in to like help or hurt those decisions. It's like, let me just take a step back for a second and be like, what do I like? What do I not like? And then why do I do all of the shit that I do throughout the day in between all of those? And there's reasons for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I think I, and I, I, you know, to COVID where it was like, I think a lot of people realized I'm doing something I hate, you know, and like they, they completely switched gears, you know, and like more power to you. Like, that's amazing. And I think that, you know, a silver lining to this entire thing was that where people realized I'm doing nothing that I, that I like. And, you know, they went back towards, you know, their inner child and, you know, maybe they like baking when they were a kid and, you know, they, they try to pursue that more. Like, you know, I was talking to um, someone the other day where they were like, you know, I'm, yeah, like I'm, I'm bringing my baked goods to the farmer's market. I love baking, you know, where before they were just doing a corporate job, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you might've took a pay cut, but you know, is, can you put a price on that? You, you, like your, you know, your, your, your peace of mind and yeah. you know, yeah. Anything, anything that go more on that path, like do it, you know? Yeah. Even the way that you spoke about when you're talking about like the finances of the band or like the organization of the band, you were talking about like, yeah, we want to just make this so that this, so that night routine is a group that can sustain for adults doing this thing. And then hopefully more in the future, that way of explaining the way that that works as a career or as a business is simply you saying like, this is clearly the thing that I care about. And I just want to make it so that it happens, but you're not focused on anything past that. And I think that that's like a very simple answer to a very complicated mess that we have, which is the world to 
figure our way through here, but it's like, it's not about like the more thing. Like you can get more all the time. You can always get more, you know, it's a very abundant world that we're lucky to live in, but it's like you making decisions of like, what's enough, what's really enough that like I'm happy with. And it's like, if what makes you happy is literally waking up every day, writing, recording and playing music, then like, what's enough to like do that. Then the path, the what, what more do you need past that? If that's what it is. Right. Right. And I think like, like the level of like happiness for, for, I read an article or something one time where it was like $75,000 is like that, that golden, that Goldilocks number where it's like, you can pay your bills. You're not worried about, you know, like anything past that, like your happiness doesn't increase with more money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like your ability to not have to be stressed about it. You know And I think for any musician, like to define success is paying all your bills through musical means. You know, and so if you do that, that's a success, man. You like, you don't have to be, you know, Taylor Swift or, you know, making $30 million a year or like whatever, like that's, you know, that probably would be nice, but I'm sure that's great. You know, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but like if you can sustain a living and, you know, treat it as such, like that's a, that's a win and you should count it as a win because, you know, you'd be sustaining yourself through something you love. And, you know, if you, if you love something, you know, you know, it's not always that you have to monetize it, but I know that's what I want to do, you know, and, and if I can support and pay my bills through that alone, that's success, right? And anything past that is cherry on top. Love it. So I guess like, let's jump right off of there and talk about like, uh, I know like in, uh, you know, some of your notes here, like what would you say? Cause you're, we've talked about kind of the business of your band. We talked about like your principles of the way that you want to live through those means and like what you do with it. What do you, what's your take right now on the industry in general and like some of the future? Uh, cause you've been in it for some time. I like asking every different musician because we're all from like such different scenes, different groups and, and doing our careers differently. Uh, I love just asking this question in, in redundancy and through time to hear people's take on it. Like what, what's your take right now and pulse on the music industry, future of the industry? Yeah. I mean, I think music has always been augmented by technology, right? You know, uh, you know, like eight tracks, you know, and like when they first came out and, you know, people being would do multi-tracking and, you know, and like, and then, you know, like different microphone microphones have increased exponentially, like their capabilities and, you know, different audio equipment. Like, you know, you had to have an entire studio in like the sixties and fifties. And now you can have a kid with a laptop and a, you know, a mic in his, in his bedroom. And that's a recording studio now. Crazy. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's just going to get what I've seen. You know, I think that first of all, like, yeah, like I said, technology has always augmented human capabilities. People have always pushed back against it, being like, you know, music will never be the same or like sampling, right? When people like started sampling and doing stuff like that, you know, they're like, this isn't real music. And, you know, what's real music? You know, do you, do you like it? Does it, do you dance to it? You know, what, what is that definition? You yeah. know, it's, it, it's, it's sold, you know, people are listening to it. And I think the next iteration of that is artificial intelligence with... Um, Lots. Yeah, dude, with, 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 it's going to like artificial intelligence will be the new sampling. Like you, you'll, you'll program an algorithm to, you know, come up with a chord progression, like a, you know, like a, a, a pop, like a happy chord progression and the algorithm will do its thing and poop out four, four or five chords or whatever. And, you know, you'll take that loop, put it in and maybe you'll write the lyrics to it. 
Or maybe the artificial intelligence will write the lyrics and like you'll add a different piece to it. Like your like human abilities hmm. as musicians will be augmented by artificial intelligence in the very near future. It's already happening. Yeah. Um, I was going to say like, there's a songwriter that I know he produces like ba- he produces tracks for people and he uses some app on his phone. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. People who are listening like called Cordify or something. And like, uh, that's exactly what it does. He literally says like, I don't know, in the key of a, I want to be major or minor and it will just pop out 12 different chord sets or something like that. And now it's like, like at this point, Western music in terms of like, we have built everything on this 12 note scale in these chords that we have tended to like for hundreds and hundreds of years, it is so oversaturated out of like what you can do in terms of being weird in Western music on this infrastructure that now it's no longer about that. Like we're so familiar of like what chords, what sounds and tonalities like drive the human like experience. Like in every music, you see the same types of things happen in terms of like bass and percussion or bass and drums, or maybe there's no bass and drums, but rhythm versus melody in the subjective and objective of driving that human element that at this point in time, these are the things that now start making us do cool new shit again, because we start making things that have never happened before because we have the technological changes. I like love, I love that. And I fight people hard on it when they go all classic on me. I, I studied classic. I went all the way to like counterpoint writing, like in the fugal style. I've, I've fucking done that shit. I love it. I'll go down to that jazz club in Chicago. Any of that shit, I'm obsessed with it, you know? Yeah. But I'm a super proponent on talking about these types of things right here where I'm like, I'm not against these changes right now. I think it's the natural progression of like, how do we keep things new and make something that keeps making sense? If you don't want to break down the tonal system here in the US and Western culture and go into all these semitones and other things that we're not used to hearing, these are the things that we go to because you have to change shit, man. You have to get right. new. Right. And just like there was pushback with like sampling when, but like, can you escape sampling in today's music? No, no. Like yeah. it's going to be the same thing. Like, you know, history doesn't repeat it rhymes, right? Like you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see this pushback of like people, like this isn't music, like, you know, a robot algorithm wrote this or like, bah, 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 like, or even the writing credits, like where would the money go to that? Like, that's another interesting credit. Like yes. if someone does the algorithm, like the, do they get part of the money as, as lawyers, well as like lawyers for the next like 50, hundred years of like between this, like what you're saying and NFTs and blockchain lawyers, yeah. fucking everyone go to law school, dude. We <laughs> yeah. need you guys to figure this shit out. Cause there's stuff that we don't know. Yeah, what to do with right now? Yeah. We do because the lawmakers are so behind the technological evolutions. Like Not they're even you know close. You see, like you know Mark Zuckerberg or like the, in Congress, and they're like, "What is Facebook?" And then it's just like <laughs> you know, it's like it's like, dude, you're 80 years old. Like you know, it might be time for you to go. Like, Mark's you know? sitting there making the metaverse, and these guys are sitting there being like, yeah. "I don't know if it makes yeah. sense to tweet or not." Yeah. You know, yeah. like, what why is do it about free? It? You know, why is it when we sell ads, dude? Like, what are you talking about? You know, like it's Holy like you know. Shit. Like, yeah, man, it's going to oh. be, they, they need to get up to speed if they want to regulate any of this stuff. But oh until that God. happens, yeah, the lawyers are going to really, you know, be the, be the lay of the land. But yeah, man, it's just, yeah, you're going to see that pushback. But, you know, if you really want to be in the cutting edge of the future of music, embrace it, you know, and you, you have to kind of dive into that, you know, like the computer coding and the AI algorithms or like any of those apps, like use those. Those are tools to help you. You know, it would take off a, like, imagine how much more productive you would be if 
that, you know, you understand the chords, like still learn about music and like, you know, understand that theory because you're going to be better at using the technology. Right. Right. You know, you know, if a producer who doesn't you know, you know, maybe they just make beats or whatever, like, couldn't they still make some awesome stuff? Probably. But you know, if you're a great musician, you're going to be a, even better with, you know, and, and your productivity would go up based on, you know, you, if you could just pump out these algorithms and pick and choose what you like and what you're, what feeling you're trying to go after. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I just think that, yeah, technology is always augmenting human capabilities. Like you just want to embrace this because that's where it's going to go, you know, and, um, you know, and all of it, you know, not just music, there's like AI Everything. painting, painting, yeah. Painting, writing poetry, writing books, like that, you know, everything. So it's coming, whether, you know, whether you're ready or not. So you might as well, you know, try to learn more about it. Yeah. It's been developed for like such a long period of time, but now it's integration is happening very rapidly that it's like, there, there's just like some technologies, man. Like, and like, actually what's funny is like, I'm recording you tonight, another interview, and then I'm going backwards and recording the podcast episode for this. Cause I wanted it to go in a certain order. And I'm right. doing an episode just on NFTs because so many people are just getting this information that's like making them turned off from it. And I want to like correct that. So if you've yeah. listened in order now in the podcast, I'm sorry, because I'm talking about past tense and I know that's confusing, but it's like <laughs> there's certain technologies, man, where it's like it is coming regardless of how you feel about it. You can fucking not like it. You can fucking not be a part of it. And all of that's fine. But like there are certain things that are coming you 100% cannot stop. So the, you know, at the end of the day, even if you choose not to participate, there are things that they're going to integrate into that you will be participating in regardless of what you say. And it's like the least that you can do is just understand it. You don't have to be like, you know, holding the flag, running it forward, but it's like, it's just not you. Yeah. Don't be the congressman, man. Yeah. You know? That's pretty much my main motto. Always. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> learn about the technology, you know, in, in order to like regulate it. Cause yeah, if, if humans, yeah, I, I think the beautiful thing about like blockchain, for example, is that like they incorporated the fallacies of humans, like odds are humans are going to do shitty things with this technology. So you have to build that into it. Right. And like build in the fact that it's like, you know, there's like the, like everyone can see what everyone's doing. Like, it's not, it's not like anonymous, you know, on the blockchain. So like, I feel like going forward with all technology, like you have to incorporate like the fact that humans will abuse it into it in order to make a world that's not just chaos, (laughs) you know? And so with like NFTs, like you were saying, like that building that, like, it's just digital real estate, you know, like this, this crazy world is being built that people are staking their claims in early on, you know, you know, it's kind of Mm -hmm. like the, you know, the new wild, wild west of like, this hasn't been developed yet. So you see all these things happening and people are like, well, I don't understand it. But like, that's exactly what it feels like. It's it it hundred percent is the, when you have that gap between it moving before regulation is caught up and and because that gap is so big, it is literally a new wild, wild west of like, there are people doing shit and they have been doing shit. It's making them really wealthy and powerful or like number one in the spot. And it's going to happen for so damn long, dude, before anything catches them that they're already in a position where they're in that position. That's happening right now. And it will keep happening when those gaps exist. People are going to fill that gap, man. And that's, that's super true that you said that. Yeah. 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 It's just like, you know, to, to be, to be ethical, to be a good human, you know, if any of those brainiacs out there, you know, like are creating this technology, 
you know, incorporate that, incorporate that, um, you know, people will abuse it if they can. So, you know, in order to build a better world through technology, because I think that it does, it does make things better. It's just when it's abused, you know, it's not necessarily the technology, it's the people that use it, right. Yeah. That makes something evil, <laughs> you know? And so like, you really have to, with like NFTs or, you know, any of this new digital real estate, you know, or any new product that comes along with AI, it's just, yeah, they have to take that into consideration when you're a creator. And hopefully, you know, many of these scientists, these, you know, these inventors, they're, they're ethical people when it comes to this stuff. I'm sure that that's 50, 50 as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but you humor it, right? We talked about this. Yeah. Flip side, man. Like what are some things that people should have on their mind that are, are, are things that they should like be aware of or like be wary of as a musician right now? I know we've talked about a lot of cool stuff. As musician, be aware of, uh, I guess, men in suits, <laughs> you know, like, you know. If, if I'm sensing new- a theme here at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, well, like, no, just like, you know, if if you have a deal that's knocking, you know, in terms of, um, you know, like a record label or, or something like that, don't take like the first one, you know, it, you don't sell yourself or your or your creative like your royalties, right? Like the royalties is what sustains us as musicians. That's what, that's how we can eat for forever. <laughs> you know, if like you have a song that does well, even if it's a one hit wonder, like, and you have the royalties to that yeah, and it's able to, to sustain you. And there's a lot of like independent labels and other labels that are kind of revamping the model as opposed to like a 360 deal, which is like, if you're an artist and you sign that the record label has a piece of everything, everything, dude, you know, they are a nightmare. Yes. Yes. Nightmare. And again, Back to the lawyers, right? Like that's when you need, you know, a good one. But so if you're an artist and you're, and you're trying to come up, especially with the internet in today's day and age, go as far as you can until you get leverage, right? Yeah. You know, until you get le- like, yeah. you, you, know, you, you know, an audience behind you, a fan base, people coming to your shows, you're selling out shows, like you have leverage against a record label where they're trying to, you know, get the starving artist for every buck they're worth, you know? And so when you do that, you know, like you, you ensure that you're protecting your intellectual property, right? Which is your songs, your music, your art. Yeah, man, I hate getting scammed. I guess that's a theme for me. You know, I try to, I try to ensure against that as much as possible by learning about these systems and, you know, and keeping informed. So I don't get, like I said, you know, like the wool pulled over my head, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like when you started that whole explanation the first thing you said was basically like when you get the first deal and I feel like for anyone out there, like, and this would be applicable. This is why we still have, you know, when we have a group of creatives that we have as an audience here, we talk to musicians because all as creatives, we share the same things coming in. It comes in differently, but it's like basically what your premise was, Steve is like, when you get the first deal, there's a reason why that came in. You know what I mean? Like when you get the first deal or you're getting other deals, and they're saying they want you on the record label or they want you to do a partnership or do a brand deal or do whatever. There's a reason why something came in to offer you that because you have something. Yeah. And so a lot of people, they don't think like, like the way that the creative mind works. And we've talked through this when we talk about FOMO and we talk about imposter syndrome, all the shit that we talk about that's just like so indicative of creatives and entrepreneurs we don't understand our self-worth even when we're like there, like many times, not always. So it's like, sometimes you're there and a deal comes in. It's like, Hey, 
you should do this thing with me because you're fucking awesome. And we're like, we're not awesome. So I need you to make me awesome. But they're like, but in real life, they came in because you're awesome in some way. Like you have some type of value to give at that point. And I would say that's the biggest thing when considering things is like, if you've never gotten a deal before or like something's never happened before, that's really exciting and it's awesome. But take a second and like review it and be like, why is this coming in right now? Maybe it's a straight up scam where like you actually don't deserve that yet. And it's someone just straight up trying to scam you. Or maybe like it's coming in because you have something and you haven't recognized it yet, but someone else did about you. And that's like my biggest thing to be on the lookout for is like, why is always the thing that you want to figure out is like, why is something happening? And sometimes it's good or bad, but like you got to evaluate like, why is that deal coming in? Totally. And do your due diligence. Like if you get a deal from a record label, that's legitimate, you know, awesome. You're on the right path. Ooh. Yeah. You're Huge. on the right path. But those terms are probably going to be horrible for you. Great for them. You know, and to, to, to know your worth is, 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 is huge to know that, like, you know, like, and as musicians, right. Like I said, like, you know, how many, how many times do people sign bad record deals and you hear lawsuits and, you know, stuff over the music catalog and all, you know, all the time. Yeah. And so to ensure against that, know that you're on the right path when, when people start knocking, you know, and continue to build your leverage because what you're really looking for is probably like distribution when you get yeah. to a certain point. So when you yep. get to, a, when you get to a point where you have followings or you have a following, you're selling out shows, like, you, you know, you have merch, you have revenue, you can dictate your terms to, and, and work with the people that you want, you know, and you can work with a record label. That's where you're saying, Hey, you know, I'm keeping all my royalties. I'll go in with you on distribution. You know what I mean? And, and they'll probably take it. Cause you know, it's, it's money, but are they going to get everything you're worth? No. You know, yeah. so I'm just I'm, that's my gospel that I'm trying to spread to all musicians, you know, is, uh, you know, like, yeah, know your worth and, and, you know, don't take the first deal and do that, do that due diligence. And, and once you do that, like you'll save so many headaches and, and could you, could you pay your bills when the door, when, you know, when the offers start knocking? Yeah. It's, it's super tempting, right? Super tempting to take those deals, but for the yeah. long term goal of sustained career as, or as a sustained career as a musician, you know, like you want to build that leverage. Yeah. Cool, man. So dude, this has been like a great balance between like seeing background on you and then like just talking industry, which we probably haven't talked music industry in a few episodes here. Like we, we bounce back and forth between so many different things, but tonight is like music night. So I'm, I'm (laughs) I'm down on it. Uh, I saw on, on, uh, on the end here, I always have like, it was five questions. I think I augmented it to six right now at the end here that I ask like every person so that that way I can kind of go through every hundred episodes and see like what a group of creatives say about things that I think are, are interesting questions. So are you down for, for those? Down for it. Let's do it. Right on, man. So first one is kind of gathered throughout the episode, but it's nice to ask pointed like this. And that's, why do you wake up and do what you do every day versus any other thing that you could do in the world? Yeah, man. I think, um, I think music is probably the most beautiful, noble contribution we've made as a species to, to exist. Right. You know, like I can't think of a, you know, like we've, you know, we've sent people to the moon and we've done all this cool stuff, but something about music, man, just like has my heart. And I'm lucky enough that my passion aligns with something 
that I just have the utmost respect for as like a, as a human thing, right? Like yeah, we, were, yeah. we were banging drums on animal skins thousands of years ago. Like it's, there's something innately human about music. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, like Walt Whitman said, you know, like contribute your verse, you know what I mean? And like, I feel like the reason I get out and do what I do is to, to contribute that verse through music, you know? And I feel like that's what I have to offer amongst other things, you know, obviously, but you know, music's my main one. And, um, I try to try to do that and work towards that goal as much as possible, you know? Yeah. Cause maybe someone will relate to what I'm singing, but it's yeah. mainly too, for my health, <laughs> you know, like music has got me through everything, you know, and, and, and writing has been my therapy, you know, I, that, you know, it's, it's cheaper than a therapist, you know what I mean? Is, is, yep. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of why I do what I do is, um, you know, hopefully trying to put something forth and, and for my mental health too, as well. So what's cool about what you're saying for like the human history por- portion and sorry for people that are used to me getting through my questions quick, I will get through them, but I had to bring this point up for here is like, I've been getting really into like reading books and like studying like the monkey brain or like the human part of us that's like 20,000 or I'm going to totally get the number wrong, but like how many years ago, the way that our body is right now was formed and what it was formed to do and the way that we are in this technology and these environments that have only existed for like 100 to 200 years. And I'm like really... I'm really about that right now, like trying to study like what we were created to do, like our brain and our heart and our muscles and our digestion, like the way that we are created versus the thing that we're in that's not that new in our entire existence and the way that those are colliding, it fascinates the shit out of me. And I've been studying it. And one thing when it comes to music that I was reading was they did like a study on music and they had like I'm going to fuck everything up, but it was like, (laughs) I think it was, uh, it was like chimps are like our closest primate relative. They could recognize rhythm, but they couldn't recognize and reciprocate melody. And then it was like, there were birds that, that some species did rhythm and some could do melody, but like they didn't understand it when they're recognizing their brainwaves. But like the point of it is there is no other one species that exists that can do both of the things at the same time, like humans can. We are the only species that exists in all of the world that is able to like articulate and understand and convey rhythm, harmony, and melody in words and like some type of communication all as one thing in a line to be able to interact with it. We're the only thing that exists to do it. So like, that's why it's one thing when you're talking about, we've been doing this forever, man. Like this is something innately us to do. I'm so passionate about like, there's nothing that even in all the creatives, sorry, all you creatives that are doing other shit, but uh, you know, you know, I'm coming back from, from music. So, you know, I've got a little bit of yeah. a bias against you, but it's yeah. like, that's why I'm just so on it, man. It's just like, yeah. you know, it's something that like, we're the only species that can understand it. Yeah. So it's gotta be something about just being human that this is a part of for us. It's, it's yeah. meant to be, man. Totally. And to be fair to artists, like there are cave paintings, like, you know, so I guess <laughs> you got you know, me. All right. You know, All right. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll give them that. We'll give them that, but nothing else. You know, <laughs> they're like, yo, this has been happening before we made instruments, you dicks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. All right. Next question would be along the way. A lot of people will say that their mistakes are things that they benefited from because they learned something. But say, like, you're talking to five years ago, 10 years ago, you. What's something along the way 
that maybe isn't the biggest mistake that you've made, but like something you were like, I would rather not have done this thing that you totally, would tell people dude. not to do this thing. Biggest mistake was signing student loans at 18 years of <laughs> 18 years of age. Um, yep, with no education system giving no, you dude, any understanding of nothing. what that means at all. Just the guidance teacher saying go and um, yeah, go do this thing. You know, and and to be fair to my parents, like they had no idea either. You know what I mean? It, you know, like no one knows how to navigate this system. And to anybody considering college, if you're if you're a senior in high school, like do not go unless you really know what you want to study. If you want to be a doctor and you want to do the nine years of schooling or whatever, go for it. If you know yeah. that's in your heart, that's what you want to do. I'm not saying don't go, but just know that. So you're, you're knowing that the investment is going to pay off eventually. If you're going to be a, you know, just, just a, like, you know, a, any random major that you pick because you felt like you had to yeah. save yourself the time and the money <laughs> and go find actual teachers and actual mentors that you can learn from, like get out there, you know, and, lear- and learn the things you want to do. And, um, you know, not that I, you know, I met, you know, I, I did music in college. I learned a ton, you know, it was awesome, but you know, go to a community college first, you know, like, you know, f- f- test out the waters before you commit to thousands of dollars with a ton of interest, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, I'm trying to, yeah, I guess watch out for people's wallets, but, and, and I beg, borrowed and steal, man, to like do it. I tried to make college cheap as possible, you know, in state and, I was an RA, you know, so I, ha- I didn't have to pay for housing and scholarships. I, you know, I did everything I could, but it still hurts me to have to pay student loans, you know? Yeah, I'm going to shout it out on here because of what you said really quick, because it was so funny that he's saying it, or he or she, I don't know, actually. Man, I saved 8000 during the pandemic. I'm putting it towards music instead of my student loans. That's coming from dude. Malibu underscore RU. I, uh, I get it, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm renovating a, I still have like, I don't know, I'll throw it out there. I probably still have like 40K in student loan debts, Yeah. but I'm about to legit put like 40K into like a barn this year somehow. Like, I don't even know how of trying to make it into a recording studio. So I, I, uh, and what if you could have fucking do it, you know, because you you got to, because you got to do the thing that you want to do. And it's like, if you're not there yet, then like, that's actually the only thing that matters. Like I'll, I'll figure out how to, keep paying for things with overhead but it's like if you're not there i'm not going to work a job for 90 years to pay it off and then die never doing what i wanted to do fuck that totally like if you want to i'm not saying don't learn be a lifelong learner read get out there you know but like if you have something you want to learn about find mentors find teachers not in the classroom sense but like people who are actually doing the thing you know like that you you really have to do that and like if you if you're like hey man you know i'm all in on you know dentistry you know, do it, but just be sure yeah. <laughs> before you sign yeah. those, you know, those, those loans. I think that we're going to see some type of major change in the education in terms of just how people get educated in the monetary value that's associated with it over the next 20 years of our lives. Like, I think that something has to change. Something's going to change, so. man. We're, our, all our crew is going to grow up and then finally get into wherever and be like, yo, fuck this. Like, I know that you say that this stuff's been happening, but like, we are different. And this was a thing that happened to us. And we don't want this to happen to other people because it was a bitch to deal with to go after what we want to do. So I I think that we'll see some major, major change in that in our lifetime. I just don't know when that is and what it looks like, depending on how much they got to get through, you know? Totally. Has to, has to change. 
And then when our kids are of age too, we're going to be like, don't go dude. Like, you know, like, so what does that mean? You know, in 18 years when, you know, people our age are, you know, their kids are grown. Like, you know, everyone's going to be like, don't do it. Maybe that's (laughs) when it happens. Maybe they're finally like, you see this huge wave and you're like, why aren't you going to school? And they're like, my parents told me not to. They said it was a a pain in the balls and it didn't help them do what they wanted to do. And then they all don't go to college at the same time. (laughs) So it collapses. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I hope at least, I mean, private institutions do whatever you want. I hope state schools at least can become either free to people living in that state or at the very least affordable, you know, which they are not currently. No, no, no. Uh, all that from a state school, people, by the way, I didn't go to, I didn't go to the private school Damn. and even that, that's what you got. So yeah. UMass Amherst was state school for Massachusetts, dude. And you know, it's like still 25 K still I have to pay. Yes. Backside flip side to it. Uh, what's the best thing along the way that you've done? You're like, I am so happy that I did that thing at that time. Oof. Um, I think COVID dude, where, where I left. I was unhappy in Chicago in terms of like fulfillment. Right. And the fact that COVID was happening, you know, grocery stores were cleared out. It felt like I am legend in this major middle of this major metropolitan city. And me and Diana. Yeah, dude. And me and Diana, this girl is a saint. My girlfriend, like she was willing to roll the dice with me and come to middle of nowhere, Cornish, Maine to just assess, you know, and like just figure out our next move. and. You know, my parents too were gracious enough to let me do that and like come here and like work the land and, you know, cause there's like farmland and gardens. And so, you know, you're busy, you know, you're busy for sure. But, um, in a good way, you know, where you're connecting with nature, your feet are literally, you know, your feet is back on the ground. That's huge. And, um, and when I did that, I wrote my album on the piano. I learned piano on, like I grew up on like my, the piano that my, is at my parents' house. So I was literally getting back to my music roots. That's so cool, it, man. That's yeah. so like a return of everything. Dude, full was. circle, full That's circle, crazy. you know? And like, and like, if I wasn't allowed to do that, if COVID never happened and I was just kept working the job I was doing, I, I might've just been, I would, probably would have still been miserable. And, um, I'm really grateful for the fact that like, I, I had, I, w- I was allowed to do that. I had the the resources to do that. Cause that, you know, that's a, that was a privilege to be able to do, you know, not everyone can, um, you know, abandon ship like that, you know? So that, that was lucky to be able to get back to my musical roots, reassess my life and dive back into what I want to do, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's like a, there's so many things to talk about the way that we need to be able to connect to nature is a natural way to like reset, you know? And so like, I love cities, but like, it's cool when you're talking about being in a city like Denver and there's always that place for cities to be able to get away and, and hit that to reconnect. Sure. And that was cool that you went back to your roots and the, the piano as well. So what would be like your superpower? Like not like a, you know, like Marvel type of deal here, but like when people think of Steve Marr, what's like your superpower that you bring? For myself or for other people? I don't know. What would people say about you? Diane, like people close to me would probably say, um, giving them the space to feel like they're feel, feel the emotions that they're feeling. You know, when people come across something, I try to let it breathe, you know, and just like you would with like a child where it's like, you know, if you're angry, it's like, you know, okay, like feel that emotion. 
like understand what you're feeling and maybe why you're feeling, you know, that's kind of like with older kids, but you know, recognize what you're feeling. Don't push it down, you know? And so you can move on, you know, yeah. and kind of like meditation where it's like, if a thought comes through your head, don't like try to push it out, just acknowledge it and like, let it move on, you know, right. and, and right. like, don't try to fight it, you know? And, and I think with, with everything, like we're all just living a human experience, you know, everyone's just like, in this flesh vessel, you know what I mean? Like, we're just trying to like do the best we can. And you have to acknowledge what you're going through in order to get through it and hopefully grow as a person. And so I I think that's hopefully with other people. For myself, I think I have a, I have a lack of judgment with myself, which I really appreciate because I know a tons of people who they try to write a song, try to write some lyrics, and then they, you know, throw it up. And throw it away. And, and, and I like to think that I give myself the grace to indulge and play. And, and, you know, if something doesn't work, Hey, whatever, you know, like on to the next one. That's you know a I mean? major, major superpower. Cause that's called self-awareness basically that to, to, yeah. to be able to give yourself that lack of judgment. That's like what holds back, like, 50% of creatives at least right? <laughs> yeah. where it's like, if you, if you judge yourself too harsh, like there's such a difference between being like a perfectionist in terms of like working to make things really tight and being a perfectionist where the song never releases. And there's right. such a difference, man, where like, I, I think like, you know, after speaking to so many business owners, after speaking to so many creatives, it's like the ones that are just like totally crushing it, they always have that ability of having that lack of judgment when they're doing a business move and they're like, it didn't work out. You know, we made no money on that thing, but like they went off on their idea. They're like, I think this would be really fucking cool. And then they spend some money on it. They do whatever. They open a facility, any of these things. I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to go do whatever. And it doesn't work out. You're like, yeah, it didn't work out, but I tried something like, like you, you, you have to do that stuff because if you never try those things and you stop yourself from trying any of those things, then how do you even know what can succeed? You have no totally. idea. Failure is the best teacher. Yeah. You know, if you're not failing and reassessing, like, and not that writing a song is a failure, but at least you're getting some feedback based on the data that you did, you know, where like, not to put in like technical terms, but like, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's, that's what you're doing. You know, you're, you're assessing, you know, I didn't like this about this course, you know, when I'm writing the next song, you know, I'm going to change, you know what I mean? Like you switch it up based on the, the act of trying. You know, and you get that information and what do I like? What type of music do I like? Well, you know, I didn't like bluegrass, but I really like jazz. You know what I mean? Like if you don't try, you're not going to find out those things about yourself. So you might as well try. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on it. So what would be a resource that you'd recommend to the audience? Something that could be a book, audio book, YouTube video, website. Like what's like a resource that you're you're really about? it's more um, generalized, I guess, but you know, like I was saying, mentors are teachers, man. Like if you really want to like learn and, and like be about something, find people who are really good at it and who, who you respect, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can do, you, yeah, you can find those resources. You know, I've learned a bunch from YouTube videos, you know, for music, wise, you know, music wise or, you know, other, other things I'm trying to learn, but Yeah. If you're, you know, to get that real time feedback from a teacher or, you know, a mentor is priceless. 
and you know, it's not, it's, it's the two way conversation that's priceless to me. Right. Cause you know, YouTube's one way I'm getting information, but I, if I have a question, you know, you can't ask, you could email them maybe, but you know, to, to get that real time feedback from someone who's trying to help you is priceless, you know, and people are a lot more willing to help you than you think. And I feel like people are always yeah. afraid to help. You know, if someone has knowledge, especially if they're older, they want to share it, you know, and if they've walked the walk and, you know, they, they want to impart that knowledge to the next generation of people, to the younger musicians coming up, like yes. ask people, yeah. you know, ask people and don't be afraid to ask. I know people, you know, everyone likes to order stuff online and they don't even like to look at, you know, delivery drivers or whatever, leave it at the door. Right? <laughs> you know, but you know, get that face to face, man. Cause you're going to get a lot more information than, you know, just looking something up or an app or, you know, Cord AI too is another good one I use. <laughs> if you want to, if um, for an app, you know, if you want to get, you know, Cord AI, Cord AI. Yeah, that's another good one. But like I said, that the the face to face man is invaluable. So really try to get out there and meet people, and you yep. also will build a community, which is another way to go. Another thing that goes a long way is building a community of people and you know fellow musicians. If you're in a city, find those other musicians. You know, build that community. You know, and it'll, you'll be better because of it. Yeah, I love that. I did like an episode on like introvert and extrovert and like the different ways to network and meet people. And like in all of that, I think I talked about some story where like there's this engineer that like I love his mixes. Like I've listened to his shit for so long. And finally, I like just had the goal to like message him. And I was just like, hey, man, don't know how you're busy you are don't know what you're up to don't know if i can add value to you in any way at all but like i would love to learn from you in some capacity even if it's just like hanging around you helping out doing shit beforehand i'll like i like i do studio work now but like yeah. i'll go back to doing whatever i'll fucking get coffee i'll do whatever you tell <laughs> yeah. me to do i just want yeah. to absorb the things that are happening in your life because you're doing things that are where i want to be at and that message is so scary to send but like it's pretty shocking that when you send a message like that and you're like i respect the shit out of what you're doing so much so that i'm asking i want to learn things from you it is so it like maybe it doesn't get answered that is more like honestly apt to happen because they're just really busy because they probably are successful or whatever maybe they don't use that social or whatever when we're talking about not taking judgment don't use judgment there because like they might not answer it because they're not just not liking you, you know, but it's like, you're more apt to have a not answer than you are to ever have someone be like, you know what? Fuck you for wanting to learn from me. (laughs) You're the worst. And I want you to never learn this thing. It's like, they'll always answer. And they might be like, I don't have time or I haven't found a way that that makes sense. But like, it's pretty rare that they won't answer and be like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's go get coffee or like, let's go do this thing. Or like, maybe you could help out this way or something. Like it's pretty rare that people answer and they don't want to share that information because like, let's get real. Like people, first of all, if you said that to them, they feel good. They also like what they do and they like what they've done. So they want to talk about it. People just like talking about totally. the shit that matters to them. And then it's totally. like, I don't know, man, hit up people, try to get mentors because like, it's not as hard as it sounds like they want to do that, you know, totally. for the most part. So I love yeah, that. Dude. Yeah. 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 If, if, if you're asking someone about their passion, oh my God. What else, you know, what, I don't want to talk about anything else, you know what I mean? Like, like if you're genuine, if you're, you know, asking about something they're passionate about, it's, it's a lot easier than you think. And you might get no's, 
but you'd be surprised by how yeah. many people would say yes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What would be, so this is the last one, man. This is the easiest. Like where do people keep up with you night routine and what's going on in your life? We'll put those down in the show notes for people who are like driving yeah. or riding a bike or something. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. Um, you know, social media, obviously, you know, with, uh, with night routine or, you know, Linktree, you know, <laughs> probably one-stop shop for that sort of thing, which is, um, Linktree.com you know, yeah. slash night routine. Is yeah. that what the link is? Yeah. It's on our um, Instagram too, on uh, like in our bio. Um, so that, that might, that might help people. Um, I, I forget the exact link. I'm sorry. Oh, it's but, cool. Um, at yeah. night routine is Instagram. What's the handle for that? Uh, at underscore night routine. Yeah. Okay. Word. Okay. Awesome. I always ask like we, like I go and I put them in the show notes after an episode, but sometimes it's nice. Like if people are out and about and they're listening to this right now, they can just like go, Oh yeah. And they just like plug it into their, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they do that. Maybe they just go down the show notes yeah, anyway. Totally, I don't really know. Totally. We're trying yeah. to get with the kids too, with TikTok. We're trying to get that started. So yeah, that's been know. a trip. That's been yeah. a trip. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, we, um, once we get that up and running, follow us on TikTok too. <laughs> Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, so right on, man. Well, thank you for being on this show and talking about like all this crazy shit with me, man. Like it's, it's been a pleasure and it's awesome to find out that you're not that far away from me right now. That yeah. never happens when I see someone from Denver or LA or Europe or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Temporarily, temporarily. We're going back to Denver on uh, like the fifth. So yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's um, like I said, if, if, if not here, then if you're ever in Denver, definitely uh, reach out. We'd love to, you know, grab a beer. I will. I will absolutely do that. I'm definitely going to get out to Denver sometime. It's on the list. You should. Great music scene. Honestly, you know, yeah. it's, it's a, lot, a lot of cool stuff happening. I'll be out there. I'll be out there. All right. So for people that are on the live stream, first of all, thank you for watching this and like participating and commenting and shit like that. We're on every Thursday night. If you ever want to do this thing again, if you like jumped in and you didn't get this whole conversation, but you want to listen to everything that Steve said, you can listen to this podcast. It should be out in two weeks on all podcast platforms. Just look up the waking up from work podcast and you'll see us. He's going to be episode 143 and you can see this whole episode or go to wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes. And he'll have a show note page where you can see up all his links and everything like that. So thank you guys for being on the live feed. Thank you, Steve. Peace, sure. everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.